0: Hello there and welcome to episode 35 of the Embers Collective podcast. This time once again we are joined by Aaron and Sirka Hegarty and this time round we have Sirka sharing the story of this goddess Danu with music by Rue O'Shea. Sit back, relax and enjoy.
1: There is something about the goddess, all of the goddesses. Something that's fluid. Something that slips through your finger when you try to catch it. Something that's missing or feels like it's missing. So many goddesses give their names to the rivers. Boan and Shannon and the great river of Europe, named for Danu. ...or Anu. And her name might mean something about the waters of life... ...or it might not. Like so many things about the goddess... ...the knowledge has slipped away. And perhaps that is something... ...that is done to a goddess... There are those who are always made uncomfortable by such power and such presence and such formlessness around it, such confusion, tripled creatures of contradiction, beings of great beauty and great strength, beings of creation and destruction all at once, of love and hate, and everything in between. There have always been those who are far too uneasy with such contradictions. Who will seek to suppress. Who will seek to destroy. But there is something about the goddess that cannot be suppressed. Cannot be forgotten. Cannot be destroyed. The river might change course but the water stays the same it still flows it has its own nature it has its own power it has its own strength and so for every time that we forget the goddess forget her name we find her anew we tell stories that are oddly similar to the stories we told about the goddess before. Though she might have a different name, we might give her a different face, she is still in her essence the same as the river that flows. In and out of all her mothers and all her sisters and all her daughters, the goddess flows. Ever changing. Ever the same. Perhaps it has nothing to do with being forgotten or destroyed. Perhaps it is part of the nature of the goddess herself, less bound by form than other beings, more fluid and more powerful for it. And this amnesia that creeps over us again and again, perhaps that is a part of her power and not a diminution of it. There was a great goddess, and her name is barely remembered. It was Anu, or Danu, and her name remains on great waterways of Europe, and her name remains on the tribe of the people who came to Ireland, masters of magic. Druids and shapeshifters, who slipped between worlds as easily as we slip between rooms. The people of the goddess they were called. The Tua de Danan. The people of Danu. And she was theirs and they were hers. Or so it seems. Though what rites they practised, what prayers they said, if any, we do not remember. She left her name tied to a people. And it was daughters of her people who left their name tied to the land. This land, surrounded by waters criss by rivers, where lakes sprang forth to welcome new people, new arrivals. A land that moulds itself to the shape of the foot that is pressed into it. A land that is as fluid as water. The people of the Goddess, the people of Danu. They call this land Inishfall, the island of destiny. And they ruled here long, long ago. They won the land in battle, from their cousins, the Ferbalg, and then again from the Fomorians. A different people, though not so different, they intermarried, they mingled their blood, and as often as they warred, they married. The last kings of the tuad were brothers, and their names were makul and Makhect and Makrenya, the son of the wood, the son of the plough, the son of the sun. And they were married, each of them, to three sisters, Banba Fola, and Eru. And each of these goddesses believed herself to be the one who ruled supreme. And each of them was right, in her own way. Banba was the warrior, at home in the wild places, in the forests, That her husband ruled, in the high hills and the bare mountain sides, she roamed and held dominion. And if you were to challenge her in her place of power, nothing could stand against Banba, not in the wilds with a weapon in her hands. For she was faster, swifter, stronger than any who came before her. The bride of the son of the plough was Fola. And if she faced Banba in the wild woods, Banba would indeed overcome her, for Fola was not one who placed great stock in physical prowess. Fola was a goddess of civilization. Hers was the place of the plough, the tame places, the places where people meet and mingle, and in these places, Fola was the queen, undisputed. And if you came before Fola in her place of power, she did not need weapons to cut you down. She could kill you with a look. She could wither you with a word. She could elevate you with a smile. None would challenge Fola. In her court and survive it. And in the high places, Eru ruled with the Son of the Sun from the hilltops of Tara and Ishnuk, bringing together all of those, the wild and the civilized all the peoples of that land in harmony transcending their divisions reminding them of what united them no one would so much as think of challenging Eru it simply would not cross your mind you might think of it a day or two later and wonder why you'd had the intent and there she was and she did not seem so terrifying in hindsight but in the presence of Eru you would be struck by something something difficult to name but her presence had a power that did not weaken you but made you stronger, made you feel as though she saw and understood you, made you realize that you had no need of challenging her, made you want to give her your heart and your soul and your loyalty. When the time of the Tuatadannon came to an end, as the time of all peoples eventually come to an end, Makul, Maket, and Magraine killed an innocent man. They feared him, feared that his flattery of their land disguised a wicked intent. And in retaliation, his sons and grandsons sent an invading force. And the two Dé knew they were fighting a losing battle. Their magics were strong, but these newcomers were stronger and the great bloodshed that would ensue was something they wanted no part of. And so at first they tried to keep the strangers at bay, sending storms to push them back. But the newcomers had magic of their own, and the Sons of Mill made their landing, and came to the plain of Taltu, for the final reckoning. And on their way they met three women, one after another. They met Banba first, and she told them she would give them her aid in the battle to come, if. They made a promise to her. That they and their descendants would call the land after her. And to this, the sons of Mill agreed. And then they met Fola. And she made them the same offer. That she would aid their cause if they named the island after her. And again, the Sons of Mill agreed. And at last, at Ishnach, they met Eru, who told them that she would give them her aid in the battle to come if they named their island after her. And the Sons of Mill Agreed. And when they lined up in their armies to face off against the great Tua de Danann, there was mist and a shimmer. And suddenly, that army was gone. And the sons of Mel inherited this new land haunted land, where the people of the goddess dwelled, under every hill, especially those that are unnaturally smooth and round. In every wild place, in every waterway, there was the shadow of the she, the people of the goddess, the people of the other world. They gave those names to the land. Eru, they called it in their daily speech. Eru, that down through the years flowed and changed its shape, until it became Erin, until it became Ireland, and Banba and Fola, the secret names, the names that poets use, the names of the wise, still held, still whispered. And so their names remain, the names of the goddesses, like the names of the rivers, the names of the land and the names that are public and the names that are secret, the names of the goddesses, all that remain to us. And the names flow like a river ever young, ever old, ever renewing, the names that are the rivers, that are the goddesses, flowing from that first goddess, who might have been the water of life, might have been the waters of all creation. Might have been nothing more than a mistake of a word. Or might have been everything and anything in between. All goddesses begin and end with her. Danu. Danu.
2: Thanks for that, Sophie. That was lovely. Um, So, as I asked Aaron, where did you come across this story?
1: Well, this has always been a bit of a thread that kind of runs through Irish mythology and different place names and is a sort of a mysterious thread because you have these people in Irish mythology called the Tuatha Dé Danann, the people of the goddess Danu. But there's no story about Danu. And then when you start looking at the different parts of Europe, there are rivers that are named after this goddess Danu. Like the Danube is the biggest one, (laughs) but apparently there are a bunch of them uh, all throughout Europe. And so there's like weird little trace elements of this goddess called Danu or Anu and that she was huge and this massively important goddess and nobody knows anything about her today. And that's kind of always been really fascinating to me. Like, how did we have a deity that was so important that we now know nothing about? Like, was it... Did she have a secret cult and all her worshippers died out? Did people deliberately set out to, like, destroy the Danu cult? Was it a mix of a few different things? We don't know and we're never going to know. And that's one of the things that I both love and hate about mythology. I used to fantasize a lot as a kid about time travel and like going and finding these things out. But actually, I think it's kind of beautiful now because it it gives you space to fill in with your own imagination and your own intuition and kind of go, well, I'm feeling my way into this.
0: It, it it's a really it's a really interesting thing about mythology, and it can be both frustrating and really liberating to have these tiny snippets of information. And it and it seems to mostly happen mostly around goddesses, <laughs> um, and around women in mythology, where we have these tiny bits of information. But then it gives us the freedom and the liberty to to write our own narratives and write our own stories and bring them to life in ways that that, that are relevant to us today. Um, I know. You know, the the role the goddesses and, and women in Celtic mythology is a really, really big topic. And I guess, like, how, how have you guys found it, sort of bringing these stories and, and sort of digging deep to find the female characters and bring them to life? How, how has it been for you guys?
3: Well, we're actually just dedicating February of this year to the goddesses of Irish mythology because... You know, sometimes they're fantastic figures like Maeve and the Thawn that we mentioned earlier, or Maka, the goddess of war and battle rage. But sometimes the greatest heroes are always trained by uh, women. You know, Ku Cullen, who, Rixie, I know I've heard you tell a great Ku Cullen story as well, and the story of Connla, and uh, even Fiona Cool also trained by women. So you find these amazing male warriors trained by shadowy. Female characters that you don't have an awful lot of uh, info about. So we kind of took February to train dig deep, or as deep as you can. You basically hit the the bedrock pretty quickly. There's a small bit of surface soil there, and you you scratch down and you try and put a few things together, and you try and make sense of it within the world of the mythology that that makes sense of it. And then you are basically are you kind of have to create something that makes sense of it, and that's kind of what we found is we've been telling this, these stories in 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 February, um, on our podcast uh, channel, um, so that we can just try and bring back a few of these stories. But then we keep on hitting this problem of not having enough information, which is frustrating.
2: No, that's a really good idea.
1: But I I, I agree very much with what Lonan was saying about like it is both frustrating and a wonderful opportunity. Yeah.
2: Um. So so what are the goddesses that you're going to be focusing on? Can you say?
1: Uh, yeah, we had, um, this story was the first and, okay. uh, we also had the story of, uh, Cliona's wave, Con Cleona, which is uh, a goddess, uh, love story kind of a situation. Uh, ends tragically. Most Irish they love stories do. do. Almost all of them do. <laughs> we found one that yeah. doesn't once. Um, and that, that's kind of open to interpretation. um, and then we also had uh, the story of Saive, who was uh, the wife of Fionn McCool. And uh, it is one of the most tragic stories you'll ever hear when you tell it from Fionn McCool's perspective. But we decided to tell it from Saive's perspective. And it's just a thousand worse. times worse. It's so much worse. It's so much worse. <laughs> it becomes this absolutely brutal, heart-rending story. Um, it, so that's a great advertisement for our podcast that I just made.
0: I was going to say, I was really hoping for a moment that you would say that it was this really beautiful, uplifting story, um, but unfortunately not... (laughs) <laughs> yeah
3: unfortunately not and the last story uh, which again is uh, the Anya story is uh, w- w- I researched why is Cashel famous there's this the two, apparently this group of kings were the kings in the called the Agonacta in Cashel in, in Munster and the high kings of Munster for ages all because they have some lineage and link to Anya this goddess of fertility to the goddess of the moon the sun turns out she was raped by a king Uh, And the line of kings after her was, that was the reason why. And it was just really messed up. And it was this really kind of weird thing that we had had to get our head around. And we tried to get our head around it. Uh, But anyway, that's the last story of this season of Goddesses Stories. They
1: they are, I think it's, you know, it's a complicated legacy because they're very, very strong characters in Irish mythology. And as Aaron said, a lot of the time they're in the background. You know, you have Skahuk, the the trainer of Cucullan, who's Scottish. Uh, she's from the Isle of Skye, and uh, you know there is apparently there was once an epic of Skahuk that has been completely lost. She had a she had an epic the size of the Iliad about her and her deeds, and at some point people stopped telling it. And then you have all of these. Um, you also have a lot of these characters where like the the legacy is quite um, difficult. Like particularly, I think the Onya story because it involves rape and the Sive story as well is kind of got a lot of coercion and nastiness in it. Uh, it can be a little bit it'll it can be a little bit tricky because we one of the things we really kind of want to do is not sanitize these things and not make them uh, you know happy clappy stories when they're not and actually go into the emotion of them and actually like deal with it and grapple with it but obviously when you're dealing with difficult things like this um that's a delicate task but i think it's a it's a worthwhile task as a as an artist and as a storyteller to actually just engage with stuff that we would all rather not engage with
3: and the stories become better and better. They're like so much better once you actually shine the light on both sides. Like, it's like, oh, we'll just turn down this, the female perspective and just tell the male. And suddenly you're losing half of the fucking good stuff. 100%, you know, like, yeah. It's crazy. And so. it,
2: it also goes into that idea of, uh, you know, you, you have the, the, the masculine energy of these warriors of Kukulan and Finn McCool, But then there is also that divine feminine energy which mm-hmm. comes from the people that trained them the the people behind them the people that held them the people that nurtured them and um and it just shows that whilst this you know is um potentially the um, our imaginations but i think that there's enough ev- evidence pointing to the fact that you know when these stories were alive and kicking there there was much more of a prominent female presence within mm. within the world within these myths um that just has been lost over time. I'm gonna say and blame straight up organized religion.
0: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah, something you know. that we we do we do talk about quite a lot because because it started to um you know write things down.
1: Yeah.
2: Um which is which oh. is kind of where the history came from was the monks. Or not who, write things down that's the case well, maybe. There you go. Quite. And then and because be- yes, and because the um, old mythology is very much an oral tradition, mm. uh, these things get lost uh, because someone yep. has chosen.
3: And this is... Sure, him. it's literally his story. <laughs> it's his story. Like, it's literally the most <laughs> obvious thing they've it's ever right done. in the name. So that's why Her her Story Festival uh, is a fucking great thing. You can look it up online uh, An attempt to bring back well, stories. Well,
0: Sorry. Maybe one day we'll, someone will dig down into the earth and uncover a load of texts about the mm. goddess Danu and her religion and the people that followed her and we will find earth pots and all the things that um, tell us her entire story. But until then, let's just keep writing our own and sharing yeah. our yeah, own totally. and, and reimagining them and recreating them.
1: Absolutely. That's great. Yeah,
0: I just
2: wanted to ask you guys one more question, um, sure. which is how... Do you feel like, you know, like us? You, I'm assuming that you're missing the live shows.
3: Oh god, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. A lot. I mean, like it's. It's very tough not to be to be always looking for that uh, embrace with an audience and that loving kind of shared connection and interflow of music and collaboration that you only get in the moment that is so profoundly unique that is nothing like acting. It's nothing like performing that I've ever experienced. It is so wholly co-created with your audience in the room, and the only ever time I've felt like that is at family dinners when I'm watching one of my own uncles or my father tell a story from their childhood when they've really been so connected to it, you know, so that's kind of like,
2: yeah. Yeah, good stuff. And but I know exactly what you mean. It's it is actually painful. I was chatting with a a musician friend of mine just today and was saying like in the last year, so bearing in mind, I used to stand on a stage in front of people twice a week, at least once or twice a week and this year just gone I've performed live three times and it is it's actually quite painful (laughs) it's
1: it's brutal man and i like (laughs) i have i have spent years saying like i'm not the performer one in candlelit tales i'm the bookworm that has been coerced into performing and like i don't really need it the way other performers and like had this story in my head and this year has just shown me how that's not true like that there's there's as Aaron was saying it's just a, an incredible human connection that you get from storytelling particularly that is uh wonderful i have a, i've performed twice um and and you know and managed to get performances in in schools uh, and it's just it's medicine it, it really is it is yeah, food satanic. for the soul and it just yeah. reminds you it remind i think you know this year has really shown me that we need we need to remind ourselves constantly that we are human uh, through our interactions with each other, and and being shut up in four walls on your own is not uh, a way for a human to live because you, it you just can't do it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of of storytelling and what we try to do as collectives of storytelling and definitely what what I always try to do as a storyteller sitting at home on our own staring at a computer screen and and connecting with each other through that is the absolute opposite of what we try to do with our audiences and what we try to do with stories and what storytelling has always been Mm -hmm. so it's a very alien situation and even like even the zoom shows we did at the start of lockdown now you know they were they were great and I know people really enjoyed them but for me it was it was such a disconnect from what I actually want to do with storytelling and and what I believe storytelling is and and I think all we're all similar with that Mm.
3: I mean like that's kind of we we had the similar thing of like struggling to do a few online bits and pieces and trying to do it and then we kind of you know but weirdly enough we've kind of just been finding a bit more um positivity through doing more of the podcast we've buckled down and done loads more more writing putting the fire under us and one of the most feeding things we've done is the uh the storytelling course because we started doing this in january And that's kind of how we've kind of found a way of interacting, a way of passing on a skill set, a way of like actually engaging with people that is teaching them what we know about Irish mythology, what we know about performance, how we analyse, dissect stories, go into story analysis, as well as looking at the larger um, structures of things and then being able to tell their own story and we just finished one last week and started another one this week um, <laughs> where because we were like fuck that was brilliant <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's just more. great that's more. actually
1: more of this you know
3: it's, it gave 14 people an ability to to feel that Thing that we get when we perform, and they all did it for each other on Zoom. And although it is disconnected, because everybody was so wholly in it together, performing together for each other, it was that. And I didn't perform, and yet I got that sense of elation. So it was, it was close to, it was as close to a an uplift as I have found since lockdown. That's but that's what you have to do. You know.
2: Yeah, no man, you've got to adapt. And this is what I've seen creatives, people, businesses just doing across the planet really is just Mm -hmm. going right this is where we're at what can we do about it and you know you've got yourself set up with some microphones and you're like, even if I'm just talking to one person in a void, I am going to tell some fucking stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And share some creativity
3: and exactly. inspiration exactly. and just have that kind of a link with people is very totally. important, I think, you know.
2: Exactly.
0: Before we before we finish up, is there, have you guys got anything coming up that you want to share or tell our audiences about or any workshops or anything coming up?
3: Well, I guess we're very excited about our centre Saint- Patrick's Day kind of thing again it's a podcast but we just get creative about these fucking things and um, we have a, a, a kind of an online uh, storytelling course that we're doing again and again until we're basically allowed out again um, and we're we St. Patrick got very famous there fair play to him and uh, everyone knows about Patrick's Day so we want to tell the other side of that
2: he's the uh, the most favourite of the patron saints over here as well St. Patrick's Day is such a big celebration yeah. All over the UK, all over the world, really, isn't it?
1: Isn't that ironic, don't you think? I mean, it's halfway through Lent, and it was widely acknowledged that the Irish couldn't get through Lent without one drink. So that's why they put Paddy's Day there.
0: Yeah, let's create a festival in the middle to have a a drink. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> does it? Does
2: it have to be? Does it have to be here? Yes. 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 It does. Yes. Absolutely. It can't be any other time. And any no. other time of the year.
1: And I always want to mention when you're talking about Paddy's Day on the 17th. Do not forget that Saint Patrick was married to a woman named Sheila, and her day is on the 18th. And on the 18th, you take your shamrock that you wore on Paddy's Day, you drop it into a glass of whiskey, and then you drink it, and that is the tradition.
0: So that's where Dan and the shamrock comes from.
1: That's how you drown a shamrock, and that's why it's for Sheila.
3: So you got Paddy's day and you got Sheila's day. So we're going to be telling the kind of the sto- the fuller story of Saint Patrick or Paddy, and uh, which links in with the O'Sheaen story, which is quite, quite a well-known story in Irish Irish kind of schools. Everyone would know O'Sheaen and Tirin mm-hmm. but they didn't really know that Osheen and Saint Patrick had a little bit of a quarrel, had a little bit of a tussle, had a little bit of they a had a whole a go at each other.
1: conversation about God and paganism. And we're going to be telling that story.
0: So, yeah. Amazing. Well, we look forward to hearing it. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much thanks for so having us. For us, having on. us Thank you, guys. We'll have to have you
2: on again sometime. Um, where can people find you?
1: Uh, they can find us on our website, Candletales.ie,
2: and they can find us on social media: uh, Facebook, Instagram,
3: Candletales, and they can find Candletales podcasts wherever they get their podcasts
2: that is all we've got time for i'm afraid but thank you so much aaron and sorka for coming all the way onto zoom and talking (laughs) to us here um it's been great having you on and chatting about celtic mythology um thank you so much
1: thank you guys you thanks guys
0: thank you so much for joining us on episode 35 of the embers collective podcast Massive thank you once again to Aaron and Serka Hegarty from Candlelit Tales. If you'd like to find out more about Candlelit Tales, you can head to their website, tales.ie, or you can search them on Facebook and Instagram. You can also delve into their wealth of podcasts wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. As for us Embers, if you don't already, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure to share our podcasts with anyone you think might enjoy them in these strange and surreal times. You can also donate via our Ko fi page. Just search for The Embers Collective. I'll put the link in the description. Thank you so much once again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.